Hey there, how's it going everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the spookiest in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. It's time for another round of Discord Discotech, where we have our wonderful community on Discord select the playlist, yep. and usually around a specific theme. I think one of the last times we did this... Um, we did music that was had more of like a kitty or innocent oh, yes. connotation to celebrate the birth of the um, your son Elliot, um, and that was a really fun time to kind of like have the community chip in for a really special moment in the Marcado family. So it's time for another one for sure. And it's Halloween time. So this is Discord Discotech Halloween. Um, all of our Discord members picked some outstanding Halloween tracks. Um, and I think that means different things to different people. I think overall people were going for spooky stuff. There's some groovy stuff here. There's some creepy stuff from all kinds of different systems. Uh, when I look on our playlist here, I would say that of all the tracks that were picked, there was a really nice assortment of stuff, you know, all the 8-bit stuff, all the way to new stuff. I think we have a decent amount. Uh, what would you say, Will, looking at this playlist? you think it's fairly eclectic? Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, you know, we've done episodes in the past where we've, for Halloween, where we've focused on creepy music, either in the, the theme of the game or the music itself sounding sort of spooky. And there's lots of ways throughout the history of games that... Um, you know, some of the old horror cliches and certain tropes and things that we associate with Halloween have definitely been explored maybe to death in video <laughs> games. But what's fun about this playlist is, you know, not all of the games that we're playing would on the surface make you think of this particular theme. Sometimes it's yeah. that odd track, that one outlier from some creepy section of a game or something that maybe is even sort of tongue in cheek, but has some of those, you know, Halloween vibes. Maybe there's a theremin in it. You know, if you think about there's like so many the ways Mario to do it. Yeah. spooky ghost stages where, you know, it's Mario. It's not, you well, know, it's also fun <laughs> Resident like, Evil or something. To think but. of how composed did it on a system like the Super Nintendo versus how do they do it now? And what's cool is there's a lot of indie games, and we have some of them on our podcast today, uh, that are specifically throwback nostalgic games. And so the sound that you're going to hear on some of those titles, it might even use SNES samples, or it might be chiptunes, or it might be a mix of different things. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways. I would say overall, this playlist is a lot of fun. Um, I tried to go through and pick my favorites. So congratulations to everyone who made our playlist today. I'm really excited for Will to hear the track of the week. It's really good. Uh, and I have no idea who picked it. So whoever that was, hats off. Okay, so let's talk about what you just heard. That was from Conquer Live and Reloaded. It was Bats, and it was composed, of course, by Robin Beanland. And that started us off today. Will, what were your thoughts on Bats? Yeah, I thought it was a great track. I've never um, heard anything from this score. I, I never really played the Conquer games I, i'm familiar original. with the one on the n64 but mm -hmm. uh it was one of the rare titles Great that game. i i haven't actually spent much time playing so this soundtrack was completely new to me i think it's interesting to start off our episode this way because i think it has you know it has aspects of it i imagine its context in the game is what um, brought it to this person's mind yeah. as far as being related to halloween but as far as the music itself i'm hearing a lot of more kind of martial militaristic orchestral influences mm -hmm. as well it's definitely dark 
So I'll allow it. Uh, let's move on to the next track on our playlist. This comes from Undertale. And the track that was suggested was Here We Are. And this was, of course, composed by Toby Fox. Enjoy. You guys are listening to the creepy and cool here we are from undertale this is such a cool track and i'm pretty sure this was not featured on our spotlight episode uh this is composed by toby fox really great pick whoever suggested this one this is perfect for this time of year what i love about uh, a track like this uh you can really tell that there's a sense of humor behind it um it's not just creepy there's a lot of great music on our playlist like this where if all it is is creepy, it probably didn't make the cut, and there's a lot of tracks like that that could be very effective, but there's more than just this creepy. And I can't say I can't speak on the context of this in the game. I only played a little bit of this game, but I know there's such a sense of humor throughout the whole game, so I would love to know the context of this. But yeah, it's it's a fun piece of music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of those things that works on several levels. You hear that chord progression at first, this series of... Um, unrelated planing minor chords. Mm-hmm. It actually kind of reminds me of one of the main kind of motifs in Phantom of the Opera. Uh, there's oh, a interesting. similar thing where it's just this like series of minor chords that don't have any relation. And it like ends up just being very dark and kind of theatrical and dramatic. And so when you're first hearing the chords, it's like, ooh, creepy, effective, moody game music. But then that really interesting groove comes in where it's sort of like you have this filtered yeah, isn't that cool? piano mixed with almost like 8-bit break beat yeah, kind and of drums. It's if a this great was sound. the same person, there was two Undertale picks, actually, uh, that were suggested, and they're both so good. It was hard to pick which one. They're both very groovy, too. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like some of the... I don't know if this is a deeper cut, but it, to me, it feels like a deeper cut from Undertale. Yeah, even the stuff like this, I mean, you really can't go wrong with this soundtrack. It's it's a masterpiece, and that's right. why we celebrate well, I mean, I think there's so much... Such. So much of what's great about Undertale is the the really thematic, melodic, beautiful, memorable pieces that feel like they could, you know, fit right in in the 16-bit But the vibey stuff is killer, RPGs. too. Yeah, and and um, something like this where what some of what makes it special is the uniqueness of the production choices and the blending of different eras and different sounds. And mm-hmm. it isn't so much a pastiche of any particular game composer or even very much trying to sound like, you know, the 16-bit JRPG style. It's kind of... 
um, eclectic and wide reaching of a soundtrack. And I think an example like this is as much a part of the identity of Undertale as some of the more iconic oh, tracks totally. because it's really the it's the culmination of both the the stuff that feels like you know it belongs in a Chrono Trigger or it's Secret the eclecticism of Mana or that makes Earthbound. it so yeah. special yeah exactly well I'm very excited uh, always to move on to any Jake Kaufman track in the playlist and that's happening right now it's from the upcoming Mina the Hollower. Uh, this is September A, one of the handful of uh, pieces uh, that was shared on YouTube from the Yacht Club Games YouTube channel. Let's take a listen to September A. You guys are listening to the maestro himself, Jake Kaufman. Maybe my, definitely my top three of video game composers to ever live. Uh, I love Jake Kaufman so much. As all of you know, this is September A from Mina the Hollower. I can't wait for this game to come out, mostly for the soundtrack. Anytime you get a new Jake soundtrack, it is Christmas morning or Halloween morning. Oh man, this is so good. Yeah, it's definitely inspired by the Castlevania series. What's going to be fun about this score is is there's, I think, two tracks, two or three tracks that are going to be guest composed by Yuzo Koshiro. Um, and Koshiro actually did also work in the Castlevania series as well. And so, yeah, really excited for the soundtrack. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's safe to say at this point, Jay Kaufman knows what he's doing when it comes to writing uh, really yeah. original, captivating, catchy, groovy 8-bit music. Music of, of any kind, honestly, but he, he understands the VGM sound um, as it was in the 80s, 90s, and he also is just a versatile and accomplished enough of a musician to kind of bring it up to, to you know, level it up, I yeah. guess, you know, bring Make it, it feel fresh and, and new. Like we haven't heard anything quite like this. Like we've heard a lot of music that's this is inspired by and that it's reminiscent of. Um, but this isn't just a carbon copy of the things that inspired Jake and that inspired probably the whole team. It's it's a very fresh piece of music. Now, right. what I'm I mean, excited it has, for... It has the philosophy and the, the principles of kind of what made all that old music great. And mm-hmm. on the surface, it has that 8-bit sound that we associate with it. But the arrangements and the specifics of how he accomplishes that is a style all his own. Yeah. Now, I know that overall this game and the score is going to share 
a style and a tone, which we're already hearing. Um, very dark, very Castlevania-esque. But I'm excited for, I just know there's going to be certain pieces of music that are going to go outside of that, that are going to be changes of pace. And so whether it's really something funky or something romantic, I'm just excited for those changes um, on the score. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is I think there are there's a lot of music in Shovel Knight and it's many you know, subsequent DLC releases that have a lot of this similar energy because oh, that's totally, sort of yeah. classical it's minor kind of continuing that energy sound of the yeah, series exactly. in a I lot mean, of ways. So much of the aesthetics of that series is about getting into the, the grim, um, the sort of like middle ages grim connotations. And I think Jake often accomplishes that with classical pastiche. It'll be interesting to, hear him do a soundtrack that's almost entirely in more of a Castlevania headspace because as we're Mm -hmm. hearing it sounds very much like it would you know sit on the shelf with Shovel Knight which is which is I think not a mistake it's not like by accident Um, but I think it'll be sort of interesting to see um, with subsequent tracks how does Mina the Hollower uh, differentiate. Yeah, I'm excited for that. From Shovel Knight. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Let's move on to an SNES track. We're going to Plock. Great choice, whoever this was. This is the boss from Plock, composed by the Fallen Brothers. Here we go. can't help it i'm dancing in my chair this is the boss theme from plock composed by the fallen brothers very dark piece of music and i'm pretty sure we've never actually played this track from plock on the podcast uh in this playlist i really tried to go with the pieces that have never been played and so hats off everyone i know that's really hard at this point in our podcast to find stuff uh that but you know you can always go with new stuff but yeah to play an snes track that's even more impressive we've never played this i think there's yeah especially that it's a fallen brothers track right uh, I think, to my knowledge, there's only one uh, track on our playlist today that has been played. So if I'm not mistaken, it's the rest of it is all new stuff. This is cool. Very cool. Uh, you know, something, whenever we talk about the Fallen Brothers, Tim and Jeff, it, it's inevitable we're going to talk about not only the music and its influences, but the the 
impressive quality of the implementation. It's so impressive and here. What they accomplish here, I mean, right off the bat, you know, that theremin mm-hmm. sound, like the texture that's created is great and spot on and sounds fantastic for the Super NES. Yet when that drop happens and mm. it turns into this really dancey, you know, EDM, you know, electronic dance music track, it, it accomplishes a kind of scale and a, you know, opening up of the low end on the Super Nintendo that is like it just blows me away and it reminds me of similar moments that happen in Silver Surfer on the NES where it's kind of like wait the NES is capable of this kind of sound like it's the type of thing that it doesn't sound limited in any way it sounds like Every single thing you're hearing is exactly what they wanted you to hear. It doesn't sound hey, like Will, have you ever had this thought? And Silver Surfer is the same. This is the same where <laughs> they're pushing it so much that it almost sounds like you're listening to a remix, for example, in Silver Surfer. Oh, am I listening to a remix of an NES track? Someone taking the original? <laughs> right. and, no, that's not. This is the original. It's just so cool. And also the last thing I want to say about the implementation is... Some of you might not remember this, but there's only eight channels on the Super Nintendo. So everything you're hearing on this whole soundtrack, and I think Beach is the most insane example of that, is using only eight channels. One technique that they did use in some of their SNES work is they would have a sample that has the harmony baked into it, um, maybe just like a third or maybe a fifth or something. And so that's a way that they can get a fuller sound. But yeah, eight channels, pretty insane. Well, and also listen to how it's modulating the panning from left to right. right. You know, and we've talked before about how on the Sega Genesis, you know, you could have panning, but you couldn't really shift between. It was either hard left, hard right, or down the middle. There wasn't these gradations of what you could do on the Super Nintendo. But even given that... Most composers never achieved like this kind of sound where you're hearing one sound gradually modulate from left to right. Like I, I still don't really know exactly how they did that. Hmm. I wonder if that effect is something that was baked into the sample. I don't know, but I love it. And my hat is off to the Fallen Brothers. We love you guys. Um, I'm excited to move on to this next track. I've never really played this game before i've heard some rumblings of it i think it came out last year and it's an old-fashioned uh arcade game so inspired by you know i guess the 8-bit era and it looks that way when you see it and like it sounds like donkey that kong or yeah exactly Burger time or it's dig donut dig. dodo uh in the track that was suggested was bonus bonus pumpkin bounce so so good and i don't know this composer but i really want to check out more of him so everyone please enjoy uh this track by sean bialo it's bonus pumpkin bounce
absolutely amazing. You guys are listening to, so far, the best track of the day, in my opinion. This is Bonus Pumpkin Bounce from Donut Dodo, composed by Sean Bialo, and I will be checking out more of this composer. It's funny, very reminiscent of something like Jay Kaufman, um, just how the chip is being used to make music that is not just inspired by old video game music, but other genres like classical music. Very inspired, lively piece of music. Amazing. Yeah, this is outstanding. Wonderful composition, wonderful arranging on the NES and implementation. Yeah, this is a yeah, masterful I mean, track. This guy's out Kaufmaning Jake on yeah. today's episode. It's, yep, it's, it's really, true. it's really gnarly. This is outstanding music from Donut Dodo. Man, Sean Bialo, hats off. I gotta I check out this to, whole score. Yeah, dig into the soundtrack, this game, this composer. It's always exciting to find. And, and everyone, like really this. amazing picks. Uh, there was a couple of different scores. This is one of maybe three or four um, that I, when I heard this stuff, I was like, I have to listen to this whole score and I could, you know, see possible spotlights coming up on some of the stuff. So really outstanding picks today. And yeah, I think this game came out last year. Uh, let's move on. This this one, I, I was surprised. When I saw it come up, I was expecting not to like it. And I gotta say, you know, there's 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 a charm about this track. Uh, it's Mystic Mansion, and it's actually from Sonic Heroes. This particular track was composed by Jun Senue as well as Naofumi Hataya. Let's take a listen to Mystic Mansion. fun stuff this is mystic mansion from sonic heroes nice to get some sonic on the playlist and we may have another sonic tune coming later in the day this is composed by jun senue and naofumi hitaya it's the halloween season so i i thought it was cool to have some tracks that are maybe a little on the goofy side i think if this was uh another topic i could see this not making the cut but i think for today it works really well and yeah this is probably one of the better tracks i've heard from sonic heroes it's not a score that i'm a big fan of um, but yeah, it's this one's a lot of fun, a lot of personality. I like all the different things that are being combined here, genre-wise. Yeah, I'm impressed with the production and mixing of Me too. this track. I think it sounds in- incredibly solid. Uh, and it does. It's it it comes across really well. I mean, I think it's a, a lot of the issues that we have with this particular era of Sonic is more of, and we actually touched on this last time a little bit when talking about. Uh, the p- period of Final Fantasy where there's a bit of an identity crisis and this mm-hmm. is exactly the point where I feel like Sonic was this is like peak 
you know, Sonic being an insecure person trying to, like, wave his arms for your attention and be like, I'm still relevant, I'm still new, I can do this, I can do that, and it's right. just kind of like, I have a lot of associations with how I felt about the series at that time that this music brings up, but when you listen to it out of that context and just listen to it as a piece of music, it's a great composition, it's, it's incredibly a fun time. well produced. It makes it's me fun. smile. I love that sort of fusion-y sign lead mm-hmm. um, and, and just that sort of dancey almost techno beat that's happening it's it's a really well fun and i think it was actually a great choice that there wasn't any specific nods to mystic cave zone it's called mystic mansion so of course in the title there's some sort of a nod and it's a creepy track um, but i love that it was basically its own thing the only thing you could say is maybe the choice of that lead um, but yeah really it's its own piece of music a lot of fun and a nice change of pace for the playlist. Uh, now, this is interesting. Will, do you know anything about this game, Bloodborne Cart? Absolutely nothing at I'm all. I'm not sure if it's actually a real game or like a fan game or something. Um, this is fun. I'm just going to say it now. We have a Bloodborne track later on the playlist. So we, we not only have that, but we have, yeah, Bloodborne Cart right now. So cool. In any case, this is really good. <laughs> the, the track is called Astral On Ramp. And it's composed, apparently, by Evelyn Lark and Yuka Kitamura. Let's take a listen to Astral On Ramp. Well, it is safe to say I am in the Halloween spirit from this music. You're listening to Astral On-Ramp from Bloodborne Cart. I know nothing about this game. I don't know why there would be a cart game based on Bloodborne, but apparently there is slash will be. Uh, Evelyn Lark and Yuka Kitamura are the composers of this. Man, I'm just loving this playlist. And again, this is a great uh, example of a mix of a lot of different sounds and influences that feels very fresh. Like, there's actually too many to even name in a track like this. I wonder if we could think of all the different influences. But I haven't quite heard of, heard them, you know, come together in a way like this. Um, yeah, this is really effective. Really fun. Yeah, it's so fun. And I think even the production and arranging feels almost... Like a bit of a nod to the 16-bit era, or even the yeah, PS1 yeah, I love that, but generation. it's very subtle. It's it still sounds good. Like I think almost anyone would think this sounds good. You don't have to even let's say have grown up in the 16-bit era to enjoy this, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it isn't a literal chiptune, but the way it, it's using samples and sounds and even the the choice of reverb on the drums and everything, like it, it sounds like a slightly more polished PS1 era. It's sort of like what Jake Kaufman does to the 8-bit era, where it's just like how you remember it. But if you do a side-by-side, it's actually a lot more detailed. There's much more happening. The arrangement's more complex. This feels like that for like the PS1 era, where this is sort of how it our memories of that music sounds, but were were you to actually compare the production and mixing of this to Mm -hmm. a lot of PS one era stuff, it would, you know, this would definitely come out on top, I think aesthetically. And I think it's a a wonderful line that Evelyn Lark was able to ride here of um, evoking sort of our emotions, our nostalgic associations with some of that music, but again, just like with Kaufman, level it up to uh, our contemporary tastes. So we have a pick that came from the game Sea of Stars, and we actually recently played a piece of music on this podcast from Sea of Stars, and it was actually a Mitsuda composition. This is an Eric W. Brown composition, who was the main composer who did the majority of the score. This is The Storm Calls for You, uh, and actually... I specifically didn't listen to this, so I just assumed uh, that this would be a good choice to include in the playlist, but I haven't listened to this yet, so we'll listen to it for the first time. The Storm Calls for You. Well, that's a lot of fun. You guys are listening to The Storm Calls for You from Sea of Stars, and this was composed by Eric W. Brown, and it's perfect for Halloween. Will, I want to talk a little bit about the, the sounds and kind of the choice that was gone for for this score. I mean, it's a nostalgic game that is inspired by, you know, the Chrono series, um, but clearly what we're hearing here, we're not hearing just straight up Super Nintendo sounds, but we're not hearing a modern sounding score. So can we talk a little bit about the sound that Eric went for? Uh, I think it was kind of a tough uh, middle ground to settle on of trying to make something that feels nostalgic and familiar, but also fresh. So what are your thoughts on the sounds here? I think it's very similar to what I said about the last track that we played and what I said about the Kaufman track, where it it's close enough to the original source material that you 
are able to benefit from some of the connotations, yet it isn't limited by the same constraints as that original music. So this is all sample-based. It, 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 whether it's you know actually using SNES samples or whether it's the same general concept of you know that you have one simple PCM sample that's pitched up and down you know on an old keyboard sampler it's that same type of sound in mm-hmm. principle that's how the super nintendo worked and so all this music is sample based um and not in our modern notion of samples where you have you know every single note at every articulation has been recorded and there's round robin so it sounds really natural this is like the 90s version of yeah you literally have a cassette tape with samples on it and there's literally one note on it you know i mean that's the the, the whole reason why the sound of the cannonballs in Super Mario World are the same thing as yeah. the snare drum sound. <laughs> Which it's is the same as the concert bass down. drum, actually. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so that creativity allowed composers to hear instruments in multiple different contexts, depending on bringing it outside of its register. That's where it really gets that sample-y quality. Yeah, I gotta and say, I think you know, that's what Eric Brown is leaning into here. At least this track, I can't speak for the whole score, but I think this track really works for me. I mean, when you have a Halloween-esque I imagine some sort of boss theme here, uh, going for a very specific sound. It's easy for that to get annoying, and I think for me this this works. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it's wearing this emotion on its sleeve. It's having the music is having a good time, and so how could you not have a good time playing this? Uh, let's move Completely. on to uh, the next track on our playlist. It's Final Hours from Majora's Mask. This is composed by Koji. Here we go. guys listening to final hours also known as last day from the legend of zelda majora's mask this is composed by koji kondo and yes there's been a shocking lack of majora's mask music on this podcast uh i think it makes sense why that is uh this soundtrack in this game really kind of a ballsy choice i would like to talk a little bit about just the game since we haven't really focused too much um, over the course of this podcast. Like, what do you think it was like? Uh, I didn't play Ocarina when it came out. I didn't play, didn't try to play it till many years later. But what do you think it was like if you had just beaten Ocarina and you were excited for the sequel, uh, then to sit down with Majora's Mask? It's it's not the game that I think everyone expected. What are your thoughts on this game and score, Will? 
Well, in some ways, it mirrors Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, both yes. built on the same engine and being a literal narrative sequel to the previous entry, which is not common mm-hmm. for the Zelda series. Um, but where they differ is Majora's Mask takes such a stylistic and tonal departure so into bold. more esoteric, dark territory, where Tears of the Kingdom, in some ways, the tonal differences, to me almost make it brighter and lighter and more accessible. Um, And so I think that's the place that they differ. I think for a lot of more casual Zelda fans, this is the one that was hard for them to get into. But I think for diehards of the series, um, this is one of often considered one of the more celebrated games. And, um, and is really the, like so many things that would become Zelda staples actually first happened in this game and some people that only have a cursory knowledge of it might not be aware things that they thought began with Wind Waker or Twilight Princess actually find its origin in Majora's Mask. Well, I love that we get to have something from Majora's Mask on today's playlist. There's actually a few different tracks that would work really well for Halloween. Well, and one of the things that I, I have mixed feelings emotionally about uh, Koji Kondo and his relationship to Majora's Mask. On the one hand, I love seeing this massive sprawling soundtrack that is such a celebration of a lot of his versatility as a composer, a lot of his darker, moodier, atmospheric sensibilities mm-hmm. as a composer and sound designer. The reason why I said I have mixed feelings is because this game is really, I think, the turning point. And we talked about this with Final Fantasy IX with Uematsu. Yeah where it was kind of like this would be the last time that he'd essentially um, compose an entire score by himself. Now, Toru Minigishi did write a a handful of very small battle tracks, but for this massive soundtrack, it is almost 98% Koji Kondo. And this is what I think burned him out and why we would never see something And I don't think there's anything to blame with the score. I think it was just the load that he he had. I mean, working on Mario 64 and then moving on to And coming just off of the heels of Ocarina. Which was massive and I'm sure that was very exhausting you know and rewarding to to work on that score and then moving on to Majora's yeah I mean I would have needed a break for sure you know so it makes sense uh why that happened and then also it's just one of those things that seems to happen so much at Nintendo where eventually you're just promoted to this different role and you know and good for him in some ways because I'm sure it was it was easier I'm sure it was more relaxing you know you probably get probably gets paid more and you know doesn't doesn't have to have maybe as, as long hours and stuff and so i understand why you would, you would want to eventually reach that point but i think for fans well, and i think the thing of koji's is, music uh, we're yearning yeah, for uh, a full score from him again koji kondo is more than a composer you know he's also he's a game designer in a yeah. sense and the role the vital role that sound and its interactivity plays in the game is something that i think drives him almost more than musical composition it just so happens to be though that he is one of the most brilliant composers and so for me personally i kind of feel like i i so appreciate his sound design genius and like that he he takes a really important um pride in in being this like game developer being part of the creative team i wish 
the, Nintendo was structured where he's literally just writing melodies. Like, yeah. Let him be the composer. Let him write all the themes, all the melodies, have other people deal with the implementation and everything. But Well, in any case, know, whoever I mean, suggested that, thanks for, for getting some Majora's on our podcast. Really effective piece. Let's move on to something very different. This is uh, a pick from Skeleton Boomerang, and the track is Disco Necropolis, and it was composed by, I love this, chiptuner and composer, Plus Tech. Here we go. You guys listening to the banger disco necropolis from skeleton boomerang this track has a parentheses graveyard stage it's by the amazing plus tech who i've been a fan of for years we've played multiple plus tech tunes on the podcast i gotta check out the score skeleton boomerang i, I gotta say i'm not really familiar with it but when i heard this it it's like yep this is going on the episode <laughs> i don't know if it was people playing to me specifically this is right up my alley but outstanding very much in the vein of Sonic 3 and Knuckles, but in some ways even dancier and catchier. And, and man, spookier. it just seems to be a, a running theme today of these contemporary chip tunes that capture the spirit. I love it, of guys. Older Thanks decades, for these but picks. level it up I mean, a little. You know? Yeah, those those types of picks were definitely my favorite, and that seemed to be the theme of uh, what I what I was hearing was a lot of outstanding new games that are these retro throwbacks with well, really fun soundtracks. One of the things that's interesting about doing a podcast over the course of almost 12 years now um, is Crazy. the fact Coming that up we've on that seen, you know, aspects of this scene of, of fans and composers and, and people that create game music and chip tuning and all of it, the, the entire scene around it. We've seen it grow and evolve. And when we started the podcast, you know, I think our opinions of more contemporary chiptunes um, were very similar to that of, uh, you know, if you think of the Legacy Music Hour guys, mm-hmm. that they would always kind of have kind of a dismissive attitude towards it. And I agreed with them that it's like there's so much modern stuff that's being written with the sounds, but not the spirit of old games. And compositionally, one of the things I that just, just think makes that's me changed so, so much in these past completely. 12 years for sure. In, in the last 
particularly, you know, six or seven years, I think there's been an acceleration of, and thanks in part to composers like Jake Kaufman for sort of popularizing these trends Carrying of not torch. just using older sounds, but capturing the vibe, the spirit of the melodies, the nature of the composition under the hood, as well as the sounds. And that's why something like this would have completely blown me away, you know, in 2012 when we started this. And it still blows me away. Yeah. But I'm a little bit spoiled at this point. I've heard right. so many great it's modern embarrassment chip tunes like this that this no longer is the oddity. Now this is like one of the, it's a shining example of what's so exciting uh, in terms of, you know, chip music that's being created these days. So, so good. Okay, so I believe this is the only piece on our playlist that was played previously on the podcast, um, but I thought it was perfect for this playlist to play an 8-bit piece of music that is not from the 8-bit era, but it was composed by Koji Kondo. How cool is that? This is Haunted House from Super Mario Maker 2. You guys listening to Haunted House. This is from Super Mario Maker 2. Um, It's in the Super Mario Brothers 1 world. It is a new piece of music by Koji Kondo. He went back to this style and to this, uh, you know, quasi-system. How many years after he first did it in 1985? It was a real treat to get that original uh, Koji music. And this is a perfect spooky track, 8-bit track for our episode today. Love this. Completely. Yeah, I think Super Mario Maker 1 and 2, they were both just delightful in experiencing getting new Koji Kondo music for mm-hmm. these games that have existed for decades, hearing what he would have done if there had been a ghost house in Mario 3, if there had yep. been an airship in Mario 1. Such an exciting and inspired notion, I think. In one of the my favorite um, kind of turns on this that has happened with Nintendo in recent years is the way that other composers have taken some of the material that Koji almost sneakily put into Mario Maker and almost canonizing it by 
alluding to it in mainline games. For instance, in the opening cutscene of Super Mario Odyssey, when Bowser kidnaps Peach and takes her away in the airship, the theme right. that we hear is the one that Koji wrote for the Super Mario That's Brothers amazing. 1 airship for Mario Maker. And I've recently been playing the brand new oh, Super Mario yet. Brothers Dude, Wonder. Dude, I've heard amazing things about it. I can't wait. Maybe tomorrow I'll have some time. Maybe I'll download the digital version and give it a shot. But it's supposed to be amazing. The game is so much fun. And, you know, I think we we can save a discussion about the soundtrack in general for another time. But yeah. I think fans of the series won't be surprised by some of the perplexing choices in terms of implementation. And I, overall, I think the quality of the score is about on par with what we got with the new Super Mario Brothers games. Okay. Um, but... I did notice some other really cool allusions to Koji's Mario Maker music. And another thing that I wanted to talk about is there was recently an interview with Tezuka and Koji Kondo, mm-hmm. as well as I think a few other people from the development did of that game. compose something for the game. And Koji not only had a really instrumental role in designing a lot of the new sound effects in this game, which are awesome. And I'm really excited, Carl, for you to hear those because it's kind of like modern... Um, takes on some of his classic sounds, but built from scratch. You know, in New Super Mario wow. Brothers, they basically just used the NES versions. Here, they've kind of like recreated those sounds with actual synthesizers. Um, but Koji also mentioned that he actually composed a piece of music for the game. And so as I was playing through, honestly feeling a little bit somewhat disappointed by the music not because it's bad it's just not up to the standards that i think of mario Mm -hmm. and then i get to this one point and this utterly delightful smile inducing piece of music that is the most koji thing i've ever heard in my life it's pretty much like i wonder if you're right about that we'll have have to wait and see when the crediting comes out uh you know if if there's an official soundtrack if it ever if it ever does yeah Um, (laughs) well i can't wait to play the game regardless of that yeah it's it's interesting i wasn't actually expecting to love the music um so that's that's okay to hear but yeah the game's supposed to be great um I'm really, exci- I'm really excited now, everyone, to move on to this week's track of the week. Uh, so hats off to this person who suggested a track from Cursed to Golf. Um, the piece is a fortuitous, <laughs> fortuitous meeting um, with parentheses Scotsman theme composed by the amazing Mark Sparling. This is so catchy and so fun. Here we go.
holy crap do I love this track. Thank you, thank you to Mark Sparling and to the person who suggested this. Uh, Mark has composed some outstanding scores. Uh, we've played some of his music before on the podcast, uh, most notably, uh, I think, some music from A Short Hike, which is an outstanding score. But this is actually a composer I would love to have a feature on. Maybe we could even bring him on and talk with him as well outstanding composer and i just love this i love the sounds and the mixture of instruments but the track is just so incredibly catchy we've had a lot of vgm like this where it's it's combining like kind of like a gaelic folk sense in the melody but you know the fact that this game has this cursed theme to it i just love how it's all coming together yeah for me this one takes the cake yeah what a specific genre you know if you were limited <laughs> to music libraries i doubt you could find an old video no. game chip tune that's spooky and halloween themed with a Scottish modern drum twist. oh god it's so good and yeah. i just have to give a shout out because i because you know mark is an amazing composer check out his Bandcamp and support him it's marksparling.bandcamp.com you can find a lot of the work he's done including uh, the score to cursed to golf and i for one will be uh purchasing and checking out this whole score because holy moly do i love this yeah really fantastic stuff what do we have next next we have uh, something from homestuck we've played a couple pieces over the years from this game uh this is uh, a piece called pumpkin cravings and it was composed by seth peel let's take a listen You guys are listening to Pumpkin Cravings. This was composed by Seth Peel. It's from Homestuck, apparently volume five of Homestuck. Um, this is outstanding. Will, can we talk a little bit about implementation? Because this is definitely an authentic 8-bit piece of music that sounds like it was tracked. Um, when you're making, and you've made kind of fun, creepy uh, 8-bit music in this vein multiple times over the years. When you're doing that, when you're sitting down with the tracker and trying to do something spooky and fun, uh, is it a challenge, like, or is that format, is that way of making music uh, very intuitive? As crazy as it is, as it seems, because of how unintuitive, seemingly, <laughs> a lot of the, uh, you know, the nature of working in a tracker is, 
I think the the specific limitations, and we we've talked about this before. There's just this sweet spot of the NES yeah. that, to me, makes it such an intuitive and um, almost effortless form to to write for because you can look at the Especially limitations as a restriction but it's also think about how f- fewer choices you have to really make and so um w- I-, I think the the hardest part of it i think is learning the kind of the technical limitations and the nature of how to actually quote be mix fluent <laughs> in the language <laughs> the levels right the tracker but uh, to me it's like the compositional freedom of working in that place is really fun, especially yeah. when you kind of just go off and you allow it to be really high energy and you're utilizing, you know, arpeggiation. And you know, now that I'm thinking about this. it, there's elements of working on, let's, let's say it's NES, you know, the NES, uh, you know, family tracker where if you're doing spooky Halloween music, it's ready to go. I mean, you just bring that triangle up and boom, you have the theremin, you have the sign lead ready for you. So some of exactly. these timbres, you know, really lend themselves to this style of music. Um, and it's one of our favorite things about 8-bit music is when the personality of the composition can come across oddly, in a, it, kind of in a perfect way with, with these sounds. Right. And I think we already have associations uh, from the NES because of things like, you know, Ghosts and Goblins and Castlevania and, we, there, and even so many, you know, just more mainstream games that have these spooky levels or, you know, even certain stages like Transylvania from DuckTales and stuff like that, where it's like these, this type of sound, these connotations are uh, a frequent feature of the NES. And I think that's why chip tuners um, often really love celebrating it, even in, uh, in, you know, modern chip retro VGM. Yep albums or in games it's it's a fun thing to kind of tap into well whoever suggested this next track i just know the look on their face they had a devious smile as they put this in and i couldn't resist playing this we're gonna have some fun with this one we had this is the third pumpkin themed title we had bonus pumpkin bounce we just had pumpkin cravings and now we're having Pumpkin Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Sonic Adventure 2. This was composed <laughs> by Tomoya Otani featuring Hunted P. Um, we're going to have a good time with this. It's Pumpkin Hill. You know me, the fighting freak Knuckles, and we're at Pumpkin Hill. You ready? I ain't going to let it get to me. I'm just going to creep. Down in Pumpkin Hill, I got to find my little speed. I know that it's here. Sensing in my feet, the great emerald's power allows me to feel. I can't see a thing, but it's around somewhere. I'm gonna hold my head, cause I have no fear. This probably seems crazy, crazy. A graveyard theory. Our ghosts try to approach me and got leery. Ask him a question and he vanished in a second. I'm walking through valleys, crying pumpkin in the alley. Didn't seem happy, but they sure tried to get me. Had to back him up with a fist metal cracker. I'm hearing someone saying, You a chicken, don't be scared. It had to be the wind, cause I searched and I searched as I climbed up the wall And then I started to fly, I went in deep Let it get to me, I'm just gonna creep Down pumpkin hell, I got to find my lost peace I know that it's here, I sense it in my feet The great emerald's power allows me to feel I can't see a thing, but it's around somewhere I gotta hold my head, I have no fear 
You guys listening to Pumpkin Hill, obviously, from Sonic Adventure 2. Hunted P and Tomoya Otani. <laughs> I couldn't resist including this on our playlist of Halloween VGM. It fits. Yeah, I'm sure there's some people that have Halloween parties that are putting this on. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to talk today about what are the elements that we think are good in this track? Like, what do we like about this this track? Um, actually, and that's think, all the time we have for today's episode. <laughs> I think that little riff um, is is kind of catchy. I think, and it reminds me of kind of late '90s hip hop. Um, yeah, so I think that little riff kind of works. I'm not a fan of how the bass adds some dis- some weird dissonance to it, but yeah, the the little riff itself um, works. Um, trying to think of what else. <laughs> What else I like about this? I, I appreciate what it's going for. I mean, I get... It, it has the a vibe. references are, are very clear, um, and I appreciate even the kind of mixing the Halloween-y... Yes, with I like that. ...and some of the sounds. Yeah, I don't think the overall mix and production are that successful, even compared mm-hmm. to the Sonic Heroes track that we... Um, played even if you ignore the lyrics and the <laughs> level of taste Which in this rap, it's hard for me to do that. Um, it's very hard. Uh, I, I I don't think just sonically, and I don't mean Sonic the character in the series. I mean like <laughs> sound wise. I don't think this is the most successful. But yeah, I agree. Like from a compositional level, the nature of this loop is pretty spot on. And I think you know from a compositional standpoint, I think this this track does what it sets out to do. I just find it again. It's not even that it's like a bad rap or anything. It's the idea of it, the concept of it and the tasteless, like pandering <laughs> to contemporary, like trying to stay relevant sensibilities of it offends me so much as a Sonic fan, because it's like Sonic was always cool. And well, I guess you know, it, one thing, it never felt like it was trying to be cool. And here it's trying so hard to be cool. And it, ironically, it makes it the most uncool thing. Like Just now imaginable. I was trying to think of the context of where this would actually feel somewhat natural. And to me, the only way this would feel natural is if the entire score was hip hop. And maybe most of it didn't have vocals. Maybe it was just instrumental. But the entire score was like turntable scratches and electronic beats. And like that was, for whatever reason, the sound of the whole game. And then there's a couple tracks also with rapping. I mean, that would be the only situation where it's like, okay, well, if that's if that's kind of the vibe they're going for. Um, I think yeah, if there's so, a moment in game where you can kind of acknowledge it, like if there's sort of a goofy sequence where one of the characters or one of Robotnik's bad guys starts mm-hmm. rapping, like that that could be like a cute, fun, memorable moment. But you just get the sense that it this is weird was to not have done out of a spirit of like someone joy rapping and fun. while you're playing a video game level. Um, so in any case, yeah, just a <laughs> yeah. little bit of a pocket of bad music. <sighs> In this episode, that's fun. Uh, let's move on to the opposite of bad, which is good, apparently. Uh, this Carl, is composed, it sounds like you're losing your mind. <laughs> this is composed by the outstanding Alberto Gonzalez, and it's a new score. And it's a very nostalgic retro score. Uh, I don't know anything about this game. Um, I don't even know how to say this. Melchior's, Melk- Melchior. Melchior's Mansion. This is The Attic by Alberto Gonzalez.
You guys listening to The Attic from Malkier's Mansion, composed by Alberto Gonzalez. It's been far too long since we've had an Alberto track on the podcast. So again, thank you, thank you to whoever suggested this. Yeah, there's a lot of new, fairly new, I think this came out last year, 2022 as well, soundtracks that have this reverence for the 8 and 16-bit era. And that's almost now like a genre of games you know it's like oh you have a role-playing game you have an action game you have a side scroller it's it's a type of game you know going for an era that a lot of people grew up with and have nostalgia for you know realizing that hey we can still make new experiences new games that happen to have this art and music style i think that's really cool i mean people are obviously still interested in this stuff and you know we've said this before but if you if you take this piece of music and and you heard it with a chamber ensemble or like a folk group any other type of ensemble it wouldn't have the exact same personality and vibe as it does here uh so yeah this is this is a great track well i think what you're getting at is in some sense all chip music has a, a degree of irony baked into it yeah um, because they're you're almost like willfully ignoring or from in some sense embracing the dinkiness of the sounds and then i think you it becomes the impressive dink. to kind of yeah to make it um transcend that uh but i think yeah there part of the reason why i think it's it's such a point of fascination for gamers and people that are fans of video games is it's an art form that entirely exists within this community like it was built by by video games it's like entirely contained within games and i i think there's something really special about that i think as video games continue to blossom into an artistic medium and you know i I, it's one of the things that i'm so heartened by is that it seems like the look of pixel art and the sound of chiptune music will never go away. I think it will always be a sort of a reference point and an ever present style that games are made in because of how accessible it is to design for indie developers. And that's special, not just because it's good for the people developing it, but I think it's good for the gamer and the consumer too, because part of what was special about games of that period is you could have these sort of auteur pieces, something like Undertale created by one person and authored to that degree. And I think so much of our associations and memories of games of that time was the humor, the reverence, the personality, the spirit of a small number of individuals and that's not necessarily there when you look at gigantic AAA titles that have you know thousands of people working on them um and i think yeah i hope that you know if games continue over centuries and stuff that the sound of retro video game music will be almost akin to like jazz and jazz standards where it's this unique little art form yeah that cropped it's, up it's in its, its own specific... art form uh it does something that nothing else can do when you go to a jazz club and hear live jazz and a really great improvisation it's giving you something that you can't get from the orchestra hall or you can't get from you know seeing a rock band right so yes let's hope uh this is cool uh we talked about it before but we played a track from bloodborne cart now we're playing a track from bloodborne it's from the dlc it's called bloodborne the old hunters and what was chosen was lady maria of the astral clock tower and this was most likely composed by ryan aman and tsukasa saito let's take a listen
Well, we couldn't have this Halloween playlist without having one really creepy modern piece of VGM. You know, a lot of this stuff is retro, which is a lot of fun and is my favorite kind of Halloween-y music. But yeah, I thought this was a perfect representation of the other, <laughs> the other way to do it. And actually love this combination. You have this really beautiful and kind of tragic waltz melody um, that's happening amongst all this other just muck this darkness and scariness that is conveyed with everything else uh yeah will what are your thoughts on this a very unique piece of music it's lady maria of the astral clock tower it is very unique especially because that darkness that muck as you're describing it's not sound design it's not contemporary score it's not like you know the chernobyl hilder good orchestration sound design music it's just the orchestra it's harmony and in texture orchestral texture that's creating that mud and that type of juxtaposition actually makes us unique i think if this piece were an old waltz melody with creepy sound design it would actually be more cliche it would sound kind of like trailer music um and what i think is interesting yeah, about this that. is that you're you're getting like creepy getting into dissonant avant-garde 20th century classical mixed with like a very germanic romantic and tragic minor waltz in the juxtaposition well, yeah of those we've two talked things is very special we've talked so much over the years about interesting juxtaposition where you take one beautiful element that if that melody was just on its own you'd say oh what a beautiful tragic piece of music but everything else is what makes this on our halloween episode right we've talked about it with humor before where you take an earnest maybe sad or maybe serious melody and then you play it on a kazoo or you know you have you know an out of tune accordion supporting it or something and so yeah i love that idea in music how you can have that juxtaposition and you can create one feeling from two combined things you know like you wouldn't get the same feeling if you didn't have that melody like if it was just uh, a par for the course um, I guess like modern orchestral dark piece of music to me it wouldn't be as interesting there's there's something really captivating about that that almost like emotional dissonance right and if you were just doing the waltz in earnest it would sound more like Mario or Banjo Kazooie but yeah this one is is really unique and interesting to me I, I love that melody I love the particular for me yeah texture and and mood that's created by this it's it's not an approach that I can think of one other specific uh, game soundtrack or piece of music that does this. So yeah, hats off. All right. We're going to move on to Candles and Curses. Also never heard of this. This is the main menu and it's composed by, aw, Cactus Bear. Let's see how Cactus Bear fits into our Halloween episode. Here we go.
You guys listening to the main menu from Candles and Curses, composed by Cactus Bear. Really outstanding new scores uh, featured today. Uh, retro, groovy scores that are feeling very fresh and new, even though they have that sense of nostalgia. If it's the sounds, if it's the compositions. Yeah, this is this is really good. And again, whoever suggested this, uh, you definitely knew your audience. It's right up my alley. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, that was that was the most exciting focus I think today. It's just all the outstanding new stuff from these indie composers. This is really good. Well, Carl, I'm curious as we wrap up our episode today, uh, what are your Halloween plans? I know this is going to be your son Elliot's very first Halloween. That's so exciting. Yeah, we still have to figure out exactly what. Uh, we were thinking of dressing him up as Mega Man, so we'll see if we can <laughs> still make that happen because we thought that would be really cute. Uh, it's been a very busy month, and so we haven't had as much time to get that ready as we wanted, but um, that was the original plan, and then probably just go to one or maybe two um, like trunk or, there's like a lot of these like trunk or treat uh, events these days where it's kind of a safer way to do trick or treating where you just go to like for example like a lot of churches have them like in their parking lot right where everyone you know opens up their trunk and, and you just kind of walk around and get candy and stuff in like a safer environment so we'll probably go to something like that with him uh, really he would just be happy to just hang out he loves people so, so for example uh, time of recording right now uh, Joe is at her parents uh, helping with a garage sale that they're having and Elliot's there and I imagine he's having an absolute blast because he loves people watching like when I take him to Target or the grocery store he's he's in the cart just smiling the whole time at the people walking by so yeah whatever it is I'm sure it'll be something outside where we'll get to see a lot of people in costumes and he's gonna have a good time whatever it is what about yourself I think you went to a party, oh, that's right? So fun. Yeah, Emma and I went to a Halloween party last weekend and uh we ended up going as she was Little Red Riding Hood and I, saw I was that. the big bad wolf that was dressed cute, up as uh the grandmother. So it was kind of a fun that's awesome. costume to do together. Yeah, I'll keep you posted if we can get that Mega Man to happen in time. <laughs> yeah, if not, you could always do like a Goomba or some little mm. some little like shrubby kind of thing or a toad or something cute. Yeah, I'll keep you posted for sure. So uh, with the play out we have, everyone, is from Folklore. Uh, the track is To the Unknown World, and it's composed by Kenji Kawai. Thanks, everyone, in our wonderful Discord community for all of your suggestions. If you didn't make the episode, uh, it's just because, I mean, listen to this stuff, right? It's just really stiff competition this time, but I appreciate everyone submitting, and we definitely can't wait for the next one of these. Um, next month... Yeah, we are going to do it. We're doing Nintendo Month, so look forward to a couple of exciting episodes next month. Yeah, I think um, last year we did. Our, we went back to our weekly schedule. I think this year we're just going to do two episodes. Um, yep. Just in sticking with our our current schedule, just based on you know we mentioned Carl has a baby, and I think we're both <laughs> a little busy this year. But yep. fear not, we have two really exciting episodes for you. I can't and wait. Without giving too much of a hint maybe something we discussed today mm. will be sort of the gateway to interesting um, something interesting. that we will talk about next month to celebrate nintendo month we'll talk to you guys then oh and then one shout out we should give because it's a discord discotech episode if there's anyone listening who would like to join our discord we actually just had a couple new members this past week uh send us an email that's the best way to do it and we'll send you over an invite code it's a really humble but wonderful loving community uh that 
I'm very proud of, you know, over the years we've been able to foster this community. It's actually yeah, my, probably so my favorite place on the internet. It's it's a very cozy little nook. And in some ways it is, at this point, the official home on the internet for the Mercado Bros. I mean, I was talking about it the other day on Discord, but, you know, with, with everything that's going down with Twitter and Facebook and so many social media sites, it just seems like they're getting worse by the month and just more obnoxious uh, by the month. Uh, yeah, I think our little Discord is is a nice little haven. So yeah, if you want to join, um, you can email us supermarcadobros at gmail.com. You can also find at our website, supermarcadobros.com. You can follow the contact page. That's another way to get a hold of us. All right. Enjoy this to the unknown world and we'll see you guys in Nintendo month. <laughs> Happy Halloween. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Mm-hmm.